Hi, welcome back to another episode of You, the Mother podcast by Abby Williams, a space dedicated to supporting, empowering, and connecting all parents in all seasons of parenthood. You can find more supportive content over on Instagram and TikTok at You, the Mother, and be sure to check out youthemother.com where you can reach out to work with me one-on-one. In today's episode, I'm welcoming on Elise Knox, a connection coach, who is here to share all her favorite tips on staying connected to yourself and to your teen throughout adolescence. Elise loves supporting moms of teens with connection, boundaries, values, confidence, self-leadership, and so much more. Teenage years are a time of pulling connection with peers and trying new things. Support for moms in this phase can be so helpful. In today's episode, Elise talks all about how to communicate and connect with your teens in the midst of challenge, how to listen without judgment, and how to support yourself during the teen years. You can reach out to work with Elise over on her website, elisenox.com, or be sure to give her a follow over on Instagram at Elise Knox Connection Coach. She also has a free masterclass, which I will be linking in the description of this podcast. I hope that you enjoy today's episode, and if you do, please be sure to leave a five-star rating and review. Your support here on the podcast always means the world to me, and I so appreciate you being here. So let's get started in supporting you, the mother. Elise, welcome to You, the Mother podcast. I am so excited that you are here joining us today because I think teens get a bad rap sometimes and communicating with teens can feel a little tricky at times also. So thank you for joining me and having this conversation. Elise, tell my listeners a little bit about yourself. Hi, Abby. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, So I believe that my journey to now started when I was a teenager um, because I never knew it at the time, but I I was a really happy, like bubbly little girl. And then when I became a preteen, teen, I just, things became harder. And um, my connection with my mom, which was really strong, it always remained strong, but there were really hard, hard moments. And... Um, But of course, I didn't like make it to where I am today until I did many different things that kept putting me with teens and I kept then doing something else and then winding up working again with teens. Um, And so I was a middle school special ed teacher and then I started my own family and then I stopped teaching for a while and became a health coach, found myself back in a school working with teens. Um, And then, but I found like my, I got hired as a health coach, but what I was working on was very much in the life realm. Um, And so I got another certification as a life coach and then left the school because what I found working in the school was it was amazing because I got to work with teens who may not like normally get coaching, but without having the families on board, it was challenging. So now I work with teens privately and their families, like it's a, you know, it's a family affair. The the parents are included in the process. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that that like kind of goes across the board for working with kids in general, you know, with minors. Um, If you do not have parent buy-in, not a lot happens. And it's so much of it is like environmental 
And I want to like say that for like my listeners, you know, when there are like issues going on in the home, it doesn't mean that you're a bad parent or that you're doing something wrong, but maybe that there's different ways to be doing what you're trying to do with your children, right? Yeah. And that's actually like one of the reasons, because I have a teen-centered coaching package Mm -hmm. and a mom-centered coaching package. And that's one of the reasons that I love supporting moms through this phase is because it's so, like when your kids are toddlers, you go to play groups in the library and you talk about sleep and not sleep and diapers and whatever. But when your kids become teens, like all of a sudden it's very isolating because maybe they don't want you to share or you feel like, you know, when they're not sleeping good, you're not like, it's, I'm a bad parent. You're just like, my kid doesn't sleep. But when they're maybe acting out or, you know, trying, not getting good grades, getting in trouble, you're like, oh my gosh, it's me. I don't want to share it with anyone. And it's not. Right. I know. I just had this conversation earlier today in one of my coaching sessions with one of my clients. And they were like, thank you for sharing the other day on social media that you were having a hard day with your kiddos, right? Um, And I was like reflecting on that and saying, you know, I feel like I used to share more about it when they were tinier. And now as they're getting older, it feels like almost like I need to like protect their privacy or like, I don't want to give like details about like, well, we're having this issue with this and it's hairy. (laughs) I don't know what I'm doing. You know what I mean? But you don't want to say like what the thing is because you don't want to embarrass your child or I don't know. It just feels harder than when it was just like, oh my gosh, I had to carry my toddler out of Target, like a surfboard because like we've all been there. Right. Or the sleep problems, you know, those just seem so normal. And all these other things are normal also. It just gets trickier. It just gets so much trickier. Yeah. And that's like the the thing is that everybody feel all the parents feel yeah. like, oh, it's me and it's only me yeah. because nobody's yeah. sharing. But it's yeah. everybody you know, experiencing the same things. You know, it's so hard. So let's kind of normalize some of these things um, and talk about, I guess, how we can stay connected to our teens throughout the teen years. How can we like better communicate with them? It's hard. Yes, it's hard. (laughs) It's so hard because so many things are happening developmentally for teens in this time. Like one of them is that they're starting to question their parents who in previous years, they thought knew all the answers to everything. And so that's like such a hard transition as a parent to be confronted by somebody who used to think you like hung the moon and knew the answers. And now they're questioning like everything. Um, So normalizing that and understanding that that's normal. Um, And then I believe it's so much about self-reflection Um, and really understanding why, like, why you need to feel right, why you need to get this point across, why, like, you have to have the answers and know the right way. I think so much of parenting through teen years is like, you know, reparenting yourself and, and really going back and, and checking in with yourself all the time of why everything is so triggering. 
It really is. It really is. It kind of like reminds you of the toddler years, right? Um, Where you can like find yourself in some of these power struggles. But then it feels more complicated because they are bigger people with opinions. Not that your toddlers don't voice their opinions, right? But now you have somebody who's like actually verbalizing a lot more complicated stuff. And you're like, (laughs) yeah, and it can feel more and it can like the stakes can be a little bit higher where, you know, your toddler is like wanting to have a snack and your teen is wanting to go to like a party, you know, and so those are those are different, um, different situations that you have to like having a snack is not a big deal. Going to a party that you don't feel is safe is a really big deal. And I think, I think one of the biggest like roadblocks to communication between parents and teens is listening. (laughs) Um, I think parents like then another big shift that happens is, which goes along with like them thinking that, you know, the answers to everything is that they, um, they don't want you to help them. They don't want you to tell them your opinion or your advice. But you're so used to doing that because that's what they wanted for so long that it's such a normal and you want to you want to help them and you want to save them from any pain. And so it's so normal when they come to you with a problem to go into fix it mommy mode. And usually that's not what they want. So I really encourage my parents to get clarity, like ask them if they're coming to you with something, what like, would you like, what would you like for me in this moment? I want to support you. Do you want my advice? Do you want me to just listen? Because most of my teen clients are like, I tell my mom about like my boyfriend or what's going on. And she goes all the way from zero to 100. So now I don't share with her. I have a lot of teen clients like that as well. You're just like shut down and I have to only give watered down versions to my parents or I just do not talk about these certain topics with my parents at all. And I know that like, you know, on the flip side, as parents, we want to know, you want to hear from your kids, right? And then you have like scary things like safety concerns that could come up and that they're not talking to you about, you know. So it is so important to like keep that line of communication open. Do you feel like we're not listening because there's like something going on inside of us that like like that need to feel right or the need to, you know, you kind of went through all these different needs um for ourselves? Like do we need to really dig down and get curious about like what is going on that we're unable to listen? Or I don't know, is this like a different reason? Um, I think it's a combination of reasons. So one of them, I think, is like our own stories of when we were their age. So like, for example, I had a really like a boyfriend my freshman year in high school who was a senior and I pretty I like thought we were getting married, you know, and he broke up with me and it like changed the whole trajectory of my life. Like to this day, it's still like a huge like, you know, Um, and so I know going into like dating years for my daughters, 
if I don't heal and really work on that and check in with myself all the time, I'm going to be like, you know, it's the trauma response. I'm going to be looking all the time for that to happen to them. So when they come to me with a boyfriend that they're just in love with, if I'm not very checked in to myself, I'm probably going to respond to them in a way that is like a trauma response to my experience. So I think as moms, we it's so hard to separate ourselves from them because they've literally they grew in us and then we like nurtured them and you know, like and so that's that's a huge part, I think, in listening. Um, and then another part is just that role switch of not being the one to give answers anymore. And then I think there can be this like, you know, I think parenting in the past has very much been like a control, like controlling of behaviors, controlling of like power dynamics. And if you're choosing to do that differently, even though I still believe, you know, the parent is like, of course, the higher. But as far as communication is concerned, if you want your kids to be connected to you and you want them to share with you, there also has to be some dynamics of equality and openness. I really want to say thank you for sharing the part about, um, you know, like your high school boyfriend, your experience that like you're bringing into parenthood, because I think all of us have a story like that, you know, some piece of our past or childhood that we're bringing into our parenting journey. Some of them are more extreme than others, I'm sure. Um, and I do think that we're in like a generation of parents right now where cycle breaker is a big buzzword. Um, you know, we're talking more about intergenerational trauma, how things get passed down. And so it is so important for us to be checked in and I don't know, just like really self-aware, using self-awareness more so than I think previous generations were. I think that we're in like this generation right now that is valuing like self-awareness or is like able to do that. And it's so, so powerful. And it's so stinking hard. It's so stinking hard, you know, because I'm sure that once your daughters do come to you, like, oh my gosh, you know. There's so many feelings and like navigating yourself, your own feelings, your own experiences is so real. Like we're just a human too, you know? And so like being able to hold space for both yourself and okay, now I'm going to be a better version and give you the mom that you need, right? Is so hard. I have a lot of those different situations that show up in my own parenting journey. I have four different kids and they all bring out different things. <laughs> and you're just like, this is exhausting. So for all you parents that are listening, I see ya, but it is so important. And I also want to like circle back to the piece where you're kind of talking about how like our role changes in parenthood. And I love that too, because I think that during the teen years, I think that we kind of shift more from like this parent to more like a coach, right? We're like, we're still, we're still the, I don't, we're still the leader, right? We're leading our children, 
But I think like, I do think that it evolves. And I think that we're, we shift more into like this mentorship, this coach, where we're more alongside them, we're in communication, you know, maybe we're giving some advice here and there, but we're really like letting them take more of the reins. And like, would you agree with that? Do you think that these roles kind of shift and like, that we're not, I don't know, I don't know how to word that. <laughs> I do. And I love that. Yeah. I love that like analogy of, you know, and as a coach, like as a tra- you're trained to say like, hey, can I share something with you? Or like, you know, really, really checking in and saying like, are you open to this different perspective rather than just like word vomiting it on to somebody and saying like, this is what you should do. And so I think that that's, that's an amazing analogy. I love that. And I also think that like about the challenges of being a parent and your own stuff coming up, it's also like so valuable to have your own stuff come up and then talk to your kid about it and repair whatever happened so that they see like, okay, first of all, you're a human, you make mistakes, it's okay to make mistakes. And second of all, I can then go and repair my mistakes. And I find when I do that, and I'm like, you know, my kids are six and nine right now, and I have a 24 year old stepson. So I've done teen years, and I'm gearing up to do them again. Um, And I do that with my with my six and nine year old. So they're very, very used to that. So even if your kids are younger, like, it's a great time to start so that when they're teens, it's like normalized to make mistakes, apologize, you know, like, I can nothing I do is going to make this like, relationship not be attached and connected. And when I make a mistake, she's going to be there. And then she's going to make a mistake and she's going to apologize. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think that there's equally just as much power in that repair as there is as showing up great the first time around. <laughs> We're not going to show yeah. up great every time. It's okay. Um, Elise, let's kind of talk about how we can listen without judgment because I think that's a hard one during these teen years when they're maybe making different kinds of choices. <laughs> Yeah. 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 So that kind of comes back to self and to understanding brain development. Um, So their brain development piece is like the cool thing that's happening is that, you know, children are very much like egocentric. The world revolves around them, not in like a bad way. That's just how it is. So they're unable to problem solve in um, like 30,000 foot view ways. You know, they're like, One way, get my needs met. And teens are starting to have perspective. So part of that good aspect of that brain development is that they're able to like have bigger ideas and, you know, like give back to communities and like all of that good stuff. And they also are having thoughts of like, I should definitely be able to go to that party. I should definitely be able to drive my friends around. All of those things that to parents feel really scary. So I always like to like understand the positive side of what's happening in the brain. Um, and then as a parent, it's like really checking your energy and yourself when they're coming to you with something. 
And if you need, if you're not in a clean energy space, asking for a little bit of time so that you are responding rather than just reacting. Um, I mean, I can remember countless times I always wanted to like go to friends' houses. I never wanted to be home. I was very much, I was the youngest. I was like the wild child. And constantly going to my parents with like asks, these big asks, like, can I do this? Can I do that? And um, sometimes strategic, sometimes not. And the when they were on their game, my parents were pretty conscious for their time of life. When they were on their game, it was very much like, I don't know, let me talk to your dad or like, you know, this like calm. But sometimes it was like, no, you know, and... So just really constantly, and I think a huge helper in this is, like, breath and being very, like, the question gets asked, you take a deep breath, you connect to yourself before you respond, whether it's, I'm going to need a few minutes to think about that or whatever it may be, so that you're constantly checking back into yourself your nervous system is settled and calm and you're coming from that place versus super activated versus reacting in like black and white and no, you can't, you know, those kind of things. Yeah. The being reactive, I think is like a piece that I kind of struggle with at my house and we've had like some issues around, um, well, we're like in the preteen years right now. And so we're like in this delicate balance of how much parent involvement should there be in like ac- the academics and how much like of this is now your responsibility. And so it's kind of like this teeter totter right now where I think we're developing this skill. I'm definitely not expecting you to like be just like free range and like you've got it. You're out to sea by yourself, right? Like your mom and your all your parents are very much still involved. But we are like practicing how to be more independent, more responsible. And so we've like kind of done like some different things to develop these skills this school year. And I think like, you know, okay, we're developing a new school new skill. So just like any skill, it's not going to be perfect the first time. Right. And so, you know, like we'll go really great for a couple of weeks and then we'll have like one week where the wheels kind of fall off and I'm like, what the heck? (laughs) Right. And I'm like, that's it. The electronics are gone and all the things are gone. Right. And I just like go so quick to react. And then I like leave and I'm like, what the heck are you doing? Like, no, this is not how you, this is not how we're developing a skill if you're just being like nuts and flying off the handle, right? And so I just want to like kind of share that to normalize. Like if you are reactive, it's okay to like go then take the deep breath and go back and do the repair and like, I don't know, undo all the crazy stuff that we do sometimes. But um, but also like I kind of want to bring up that example to maybe say like, what are some ways to prevent, I guess, like being reactive? I guess is it just like taking that pause and being connected to our breath? Um, well, the truth is, is if, if the only time that you're like doing those regulating activities are in the moment, it's not going to go very well <laughs> because you're already activated. Um, and I like to think of like, those kind of calming regulating activities as like a muscle. So you're 
you're strengthening it. I love um, journaling just because I think that like having that regular check back in with self of like, how am I doing in these different areas of life? And like, do I need, did I fly off the handle yesterday and not make the repair? And what was, I just had something really interesting, like this, like really triggering experience with my dad about my daughter. And I realized it was completely like, and it totally, like, he doesn't know that it happened, you know, but it totally like, my whole day was very, and I was like, why, like, what is going on? And as I'm like journaling about like why it was so hard for me, it's like, oh, it was totally little me. And I'm upset that he's like doing to my, I feel like he's doing to my daughter as he did to like make me not feel special or whatever, you know? Um, and so like, it's hard work to, to, choose to like take each of these triggers and figure out why they're there and I think it's so important if you want to show up in the way with your kids that you do want to show up um and so I think that journaling and just having like some moments of regulation throughout your day because like if you're already stressed out about five other things your little your window of tolerance is like this big you know so tiny and so it's it is really like it's managing so many areas of your life so that you can be more calm and more present and have more space when something comes up so that you don't immediately go to those old patterns of like I'm gonna remove all of your stuff And sometimes you are, and that's okay, and you make repair, you know, but it is really like taking care of all of yourself so that you can show up and, and it doesn't have to be a huge thing. Um, Journaling doesn't have to be a huge thing, but I think it just is this like nice way of checking in with self. Mm. Outside of like journaling, because I think journaling can be a big, um, supportive piece for moms, you know, a big piece to support yourself. Is there other ways that moms can be supported during the teen years? Because, you know, we kind of talked in the beginning of this episode about how the teen years feel isolating, but it is still so important for moms to get support, right? And especially when we're talking about that window of tolerance, you know, I think that that window of tolerance is a lot less when we're feeling under-supported and a little crispy, right? Um, So what are some ways that moms can get support or like why is it important that moms get support during these years? Yeah, I mean, I think it's so, it's so important. And I think it, it could be a therapist, it could be a coach, it could be a really good friend who maybe doesn't live near you and have a daughter the same age as your daughter, you know? Um... Um, those are all important things to have people that you can honestly and authentically share what's going on in your life. And I think that's the beauty of a coach or a therapist is, is that like show up as you share as you don't worry about what anyone thinks. Um, so that is, is really important and it's important to have it because 
these, and I think it's, it's interesting, like the toddler years are so physically exhausting and you don't have time. Like they're following you to the bathroom. They're, you know, like you don't shower alone, but when they're a teen, there is more space. And so, but it can be taken up by worrying about them, by running them around to all of their events, and then using the little time that you do have for things that don't fill your cup, but deplete your, you know, deplete you. And so I just, it's, I think it's very important to be intentional about the extra time that you do have, and to find even if it's not like a coach or a therapist, find like a dance class or a ceramics or an art or like something that's your thing. Because I think that's another important thing. We become so enmeshed with our kids and all of their needs at some point. And they actually like want to see you thriving in something too. And it's such a good example for them. And it can be a little vacation if you are really struggling in the relationship, having the support of a passion where you don't have to think about or talk about anything is is also like another very good way to be supported. Yeah, I totally agree. I feel like sometimes we feel like a prisoner in our motherhood. You can just feel so stuck um, and just like you know, we talk about the mental load of motherhood. And I do think that the tiny years are like physically grueling. And as they get older, it becomes more mentally challenging. And so they're both so exhausting, but in different ways. Um, And I do, I do totally agree that we need some kind of outlet outside of our motherhood to not feel so stuck there. You are still a human and your human deserves to be thriving and shining, right? You deserve space for your human part too, not just your mom part. Um, Elise, what about when we are talking or like when we're having a challenge when our, with our teens, when these challenging things are coming up, how can we better communicate so that we're not like... I don't know, in these power struggles or angsty or that they're shutting down? What are some, I guess, like tips or takeaways that we can be doing? Yeah, I love the format of nonviolent communication for this this reason. Um, and what I love about it is it's it's a, you know, this to simplify it as, as easily as possible, it's a four-part process that you kind of do on your own before having maybe a hard conversation. And um, the first part is making an observation. And this is by far the hardest part because um, you have to make an observation as if it was like being recorded by a camera. So without your judgment and your opinions. And it seems like it would be really easy, but it is really not easy. And so what I love about nonviolent communication is that you get to like do this on your own. And what I find when I do it, I use it all the time for myself. What I find is I sometimes don't even need to have the conversation because through the process of, so the first step is observation. The second step is discovering like uh, what I'm feeling. And the third step is what is the unmet need under the feeling. And then the fourth is to make a request. But when I run myself through that 
on my own. And I have a list of feelings and a list of needs to help support that process. Sometimes I'm like, oh, like I can meet my own needs. And it's just, it's such an empowered place to come from. And you can also like start to look for other people's unmet needs and then you can feel connected to them because you might, you probably understand that unmet need. And so that's just, it's such a supportive structure. If you, I mean, it's again, it's, it's, it's work for yourself to do, but it's so powerful. And even just going through that first process of the observation, um, we have such different lenses, all of us, you know, even our closest, closest people see things completely different than we see them. And so when you can really distill things down, like clarity comes from that. And when you can really check in with your needs, and then that's like a big distinction in nonviolent communication of needs versus, or sorry, feelings versus non-feelings, where like, betrayed is a non-feeling because it's an accusation. Whereas like hurt, that's something that I feel in my body. And so if I say to you, like, you betrayed me, you immediately, your guards come up, you're in defense mode because I'm accusing you of something. If I say like, oh man, that like my, I just, my feelings got really hurt. Usually the other person is like, oh, like, I remember getting my feelings hurt. Like, it's hard. It makes me sad. And it, like, and so it's, that's just such a, like, distinction. And it's, I found when I started studying this that so many of my feeling words, quote unquote, were accusations. And so when I'm communicating with those, the walls are up before we get to the part where I'm like, and this is my unmet need and this is my request of you. It's like, yeah, we don't even get there because you're not communicating in a clear and clean way. Yeah. Yeah. Elise, I so appreciate you joining me today and having this conversation because I think, like I said, these teen years can be challenging, but I think that it's so important to get through the teen years being connected with our teens and launching them out into the world and maintaining these connected relationships. You know, I think there's a lot of us in this generation that have struggles with our parents. Um, and I know I can like speak for myself. I want like my motherhood experience to be different and I want my children's experience to be different. I want them to feel connected and supported by their mother. And I want them to start young adulthood, you know, with a safe space to come back and land when they need it. And so it is so important that we be self-aware, that we be checking in on ourselves, that we be con communicating with our teens and a healthy way. So thank you for being a resource for this topic. Tell my listeners where they can find you. Yeah. So my website is elisenox.com and I actually have um, a little freebie on there. That's just seven days of connecting with your teen 
Um, and so it's just like seven ideas that are simple, not huge. Um, and so that's really fun. Cause I think that's, that's what we're all desiring. And sometimes like life just gets busy and you're like, Oh, I you know, <laughs> I know. Um, and, and then I'm on Instagram at Elise Knox connection coach. Perfect. All of yeah. this will be linked in the description of this podcast. Elise, thank you again for joining us and helping us, uh, support you, the mother. Yes. Thank you so much for having me, Abby.